Well, thank you for joining us here today for the Investor Conference Call for Grow Life Incorporated. Now, before we get started and I introduce Marco to the call, I want to read our forward-looking statements that cover this call today. This conference call may contain statements that constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933, as amended, and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, as amended. These statements appear throughout this call and include all statements that are not statements of historical fact regarding the intent, belief, or current expectations of Grow Life Incorporated, its directors, or its officers with respect to, among other things, financing plans, trends affecting its financial condition or results of operations, growth strategy, and operating strategy. The words may, would, will, expect, estimate, can, believe, potential, and similar expressions and variations thereof are intended to identify forward-looking statements. Investors are cautioned that any such forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties, many of which are beyond Grow Life's ability to control and actual results may differ material, materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements as a result of various factors. I want to thank all of the shareholders that sent in their questions. We have compiled them and provided them for Marco today. And with that being said, let's welcome the CEO of the company, Marco Hedgie. Marco, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Well, Marco, the floor is yours. Thank you. First of all, let me thank everyone else who's on the call. I really do appreciate your time. I, I know how hard it is to make time to do this, so um, let's make the most of it. We're going to do three things today. We're going to cover uh, 2018, not just the numbers. We're going to gloss over those. You have the uh, financial report that was put out with the SEC on Friday. We did a press release on Friday. If you want the specifics, good. Second part is 2019, what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. Lastly, we'll take the questions. So let's get going. 2018, we were able to do about... 86%. And Line muted. Don't concentrate in a high-growth sector. And I'm, you're going to hear me repeat this over and over. We are in a high-growth market. We're not in a stable market. If you want a dividend, buy the phone company stock. If you want to participate in a high-growth sector, stay with us. That's what we're doing. What you want to key off of is Q4. Q4, we showed 112% growth year over year. That means that our run rate at $1.7 million puts us at about a roughly... $6.8 million annual run rate. So showing that kind of growth, running at 6.8, depending on whose multiple you're using, shows us that we're about seven times revenue on our, our valuation. In our sector, the cannabis and cannabis-related market, we are so significantly undervalued. It's, it's insane. Most, most companies in our business are running 10 to 50 times, 50 times top line, Okay. So put things in perspective, there's a reason why we're undervalued, okay? The main reason is our overhang. We're dealing with a lot of overhanging uh, shares that are out there, and we're spending a lot of energy retiring that. So in 2018, we started to look at how to get this addressed. We went to our shareholders. We had a vote. Ninety percent of the shares were voted, and we got support for all our requests, including when the timing's right, to do a reverse, 
of the votes that voted voted in favor of it. We are not going to do a reverse and risk dropping all this hard work down the drain. When the timing's right, that means when we look at uplisting into a strong market, strong exchange, whether it's NASDAQ, New York, or something else, we'll have to do a reverse. We're not going to do it for poor funding. We're not going to do it under poor terms. So if anybody's hanging back thinking that we're going to do a reverse for a poor reason, take that off your mind. We're not. Okay, second thing we did is we showed 10% gross margin. A company that does 10% gross margins is too weak to be built. Okay? The reason I joined five years ago was to do a roll-up of this industry. That means acquisitions. We haven't been able to do acquisitions. We got sidelined in 2014 by the SEC on a 10-day halt. We've had to dig our way out of that hole for five years. We started doing acquisitions over the last 18 months. We did three acquisitions. Our last one in October was EasyClone. It was by far the best and the smartest move we made. Okay? We bought 51%, a controlling position. We intend to buy the other 49% later this year. The rights offering allowed us to buy that 51%. So we raised $2.5 million in the rights offering, and we were able to put roughly $700,000 in cash and another $1.3, $1.5 million in stock to buy 51%. Easy Clone is a leader in cloning. 20 years experience. Comes with the biggest asset in that company, Billy Blackburn. Billy now runs our R&D and our manufacturing. He is the guy in this business. Cloning is the key to building a successful grow operation. Okay? It turns out the farm bill coming through also gave us a better opportunity than we could have ever hoped for. We're probably going to do about four to five times the revenue he did last year because we have an organization that can sell. So last year we learned a lot, but we also know that we can't do it on 10%. Easy Clone comes with 55% gross margins. Okay, when you start blending our historical business, the Easy Clone business, now you're starting to talk about sizable improvement in gross margins. So rights offering 2.5 million allowed us to have a lot of power in negotiating for better financing when we need it allowed us to buy Easy Clone. We did it with your support. Our shareholders stepped up and wrote some good checks. And I know there, there are some concerns. I'm not worried about it. You shouldn't either. So the walk away is we have to pivot from our traditional business. We can't continue to sell other people's product, which is really commodity business. We can't continue to encourage our customers to buy pieces of a car and assemble it themselves and think they're going to be able to compete. We have to deliver systems, just like a complete car manufactured in volume at a lower cost. They're currently spending about $1.50 to $2 a gram. That's what it costs them to grow. They're selling for about $3 a gram. In some cases, they're selling even less. Out of control um, markets by Colorado and the entire West Coast from Washington, Oregon, and California are having a hard time because they have such poor regulatory laws. Okay? As that happens, the cost keeps going down, and, or the, the price keeps going down and down and down. So we have to help our customers drop down their production costs. That's what we're about. That's what we pivot to, a complete new system. These systems require a high yield at a low cost. The key to a high yield 
is cloning. For those of you that don't understand cloning, look it up, look at easy clone, and you'll understand. The richest, most powerful, most consistent genetics of the plant come with cloning. Okay. Now, we'll talk later about one of the questions, but you bring hemp in, not hemp as in rope, hemp as in CBD, and now genetic consistency, female plants, and cloning all come together. Where before, people were worried about growing maybe some of the largest cooperations, growing maybe a 1,000 plants, hemp stocking 100, even a million plants a month. It's, the volume is mind-boggling. That's the business that Grow Life is in now. So that's 2018. So where do we go now? Q1 so far has been beyond words. We had to sit down and look at what we had to do. We looked at our balance sheet. We quickly realized we have three or four overhangs we had to remove. We went after the biggest one first. 540 million shares were tied up with a group called Canex. They were out of the money at 3.3 cents, but everyone knew, every, anybody who had a share of our stock knew that the second our stock would approach 3 cents, that 540 million shares could have been dumped into the market and they, everything could have been wiped out. So we had to spend time negotiating with Canex until we worked out a deal. So last month, we finally worked out a deal. Both parties felt very good on the terms, and all 540 million shares were retired. That's a big deal. Half a billion shares off the table. We have two more to work out. The, the second largest one, we talked to that other party. Um, totally flexible. They see the bigger picture. They'll work with us. We'll take care of that one. The third one will work out separately. So balance sheet will be strong and and. Uh, worked out this quarter. We only have a month left. I'm very confident what we're going to do there. Our revenues, stronger than ever. I came in five years ago. I shut down any discussions of guidance, but I'll tell you for the first time, Mark Scott, our CFO, and I came to the same agreement. We're going to give you some guidance. This quarter will exceed last quarter. Last quarter is at 1.7 million. We believe we'll break 2 million this quarter. Last quarter, we did 10% gross margins. We're coming in at 30% gross margins this quarter. It's pretty significant. So if we can pull it all together, we're looking at easily doubling, maybe tripling last year's numbers. We're moving at a good pace, and that's what prompted us to look at the organization. We're trying to run the company as a conglomerate with divisions and subsidiaries. It wasn't working. We had the right people. We had them in the wrong place. Our top guy, head of sales and marketing, Joe Barnes, he was trying to run at least two, maybe three divisions. He knew what to do. He's a guy who's on a plane on his way to Spain, and uh, he's going to open up Europe for us. He'll be back. But he runs all of sales and marketing. Billy Blackburn is in charge of R&D and manufacturing. He's taken over both Cube, which is the code name for lower-cost production. He's on the third generation of proof of concept. His right-hand guy is doing the R&D on uh, technology as well as um, cloning technology, and our software is being led by another team. All in all, it's coming together. Mark Scott continues as our CFO, and he's looking at M&A deals. We're looking at somewhere between four to five different acquisition targets right now, but we're not going to do any more acquisitions at this time. We need additional cash. We need, we need 
need the latitude to absorb them, integrate them, and we're just not going to move in that direction until we're ready. But we will. Okay. That takes us to end of 2019, and I think, because I talk so fast, that takes us to our questions. All right, excellent. Well, I want to thank all the shareholders for providing those questions as well. Let's jump into it, Marco. How has hemp legalization affected Grow Life's growth? And what are you planning to do to capitalize on this opportunity? The hemp bill is complicated because it has similar regulatory effects as um, cannabis. But there are states that have a lot of experience. So, so Colorado has a great deal of experience, and we work with those folks. Spanibus, um, can't even say it. Yeah, Spanibus, cannabis in Spain, is the largest hemp show in the world. The reason our head of R&D and Joe Barnes are on the way there is to understand what they've learned over the last 20 years, why they do what they do. We're going to take a lesson from them and make sure that our systems and, and the way we work with the states are in line and um, be able to provide the systems. Our, our customers are behind the curve on trying to satisfy the needs for CBD as well as look at alternatives to cotton and other products. So it's, it's a very large uh, opportunity. We have taken our production estimates and uh, tripled them, so we're looking at inventories. That are, that are larger than we estimated. I think we were looking at uh, one-fourth the size of inventory purchases. We have lead times that run about 60 to 90 days. So uh, we see that tremendously impacting us, and that's what's really driving the growth of, um, and the demand of EasyClone. So we're excited. Our largest EasyClone Pro system grows 500 clones at a time. We're seeing orders in the hundreds for that system. Did I answer your question? I think you did. Well, let's jump into the next question. Uh, why did you decide to structure the management team in a new way? So, as I mentioned, one of our concerns is if we do more acquisitions, which we're planning on, and anybody can go out and buy companies. The toughest part is integrating them. And we have SOPs that we use to, to help people understand how, how we do things. So, standard operating procedures are, are critical so you don't lose time. So we're all about time and money. And, and one of the things I realized is that bringing in another senior person or, or two or three other senior people, it was just not going to work. We, we have a very limited time to, to deliver our products to our customers, and they have to be able to turn around and do the same. So we needed a consistent senior management who can uh, both uh, bring in the new resources, and then communicate across um, the groups. So in my case, I was able to set up monthly meetings with the four of us, the, the three heads, Mark, Billy, and, and Joe and I, and we can communicate and within, within a day have a pulse on every dollar, every, wherever everything is going, and make adjustments if we need to throughout the entire company. And that means not just in the U.S., but in Canada, and soon throughout Europe. So we think that this new organization will help us perform better and faster. 
All right, great. Let's move on to international question here. Has Grow Life seen growth in Canada since legalization last year? And do you plan to continue focusing on Canada as a growth center? Absolutely. So uh, without getting specific, the, the, the thing that most people don't understand about Canada is even though it only has about one-tenth the population of the U.S., um, it's one, of course, everybody knows, is nationally legal, but the part that most people don't know is it allows the export of cannabis. So what Canada is doing and the growers are doing is really serving the entire uh, global market with cannabis. So what we're doing is capitalizing on that, and we're helping them scale up. We have uh, cloning systems that, that serve, um, serve the folks that are trying to sell clones, once again, in the millions. And, and we're in the U.S. It's a fragmented market at the state level, and we used to be able to get away with just systems that only needed maybe a 1,000 now, just one customer ships 3 million clones a year. So it's a significant opportunity for us, particularly for easy clones. All right, excellent. Let's move on to the next question then, Marco. I'm organizing them here as best I can because we're still getting some questions. And once again, thank you guys for sending in this question. Uh, let's talk I'll about... i go faster. No, now you're doing great. These are, uh, they're all over the place too. So we're getting, uh, but this one has a little bit of a follow up to Canada and that's why I wanted to move it up. Has Grow Life Inc. ever considered franchising store locations all around the United States, Canada, and for that matter, around the world in different cities, states, and countries in order to expand and grow faster? And if not, why not? We, we have, we, we explored that thoroughly. Uh, Five years ago, we had seven stores. We then looked at it and said, no, this isn't the right way to go. Dedicated hydroponic stores are localized, uh, mom-and-pop shops. If you look at the, the market reports, the average revenue is about $600,000 per year, so it's a $50,000 uh, value prop, and it, it doesn't really generate enough cash to warrant um, the, the inventory risk, um, just the, the, the hard work. It's a dedicated business. Then we saw... Some of our competitors move into the superstore space thinking they could, they could compete, but they were buried alive with inventory. And then we started to see the e-commerce guys, and now we see one of our leading competitors try to piggyback on, on Home Depot and Lowe's. And then they started realizing that uh, the way the big boys play is they float you out at least 90 days, and the only time they start paying is when that product goes over the, the, the transaction line. So... There's a whole other world in retail when it comes to hydroponics, and I think that that ship has sailed. The reason we bought uh, Go Green in California was we needed a third presence in, in um, California. So we have three retail outlets, and we do it not for retail transactions as much as um, serving our e-logistics, e-commerce demands. So we have one out of Portland, Maine that covers the Northeast. We have one out of Calgary covers Canada, and of course, we have one in Southern California out of Encino. So we feel pretty good about our strategy. We tried really hard to do a store within a store model. Um, it was one of my pet projects. I believed in it, but the demand was just not there. It just, the training, the inventory, it just wasn't, wasn't paying off. So we ended up um, transitioning that to just simply a, a support outlet. Next question. 
All right. Regarding the affiliate program, how is it going? I mean, who doesn't want to make money in the fastest growing field in the United States and Canada? And if you had more affiliates, they could be doing a lot of the heavy lifting by getting as many customers to use Grow Life products as possible. Can you expand on this? Absolutely. So affiliate programs make sense when you have good margins. At 10 points, our traditional business didn't make sense in the affiliate program. We introduced it when we, we started with our branded soil, and it makes tremendous sense now with e- e, uh, Easy Clone. So we're excited about that. The margins give us the room to support uh, uh, giving us a larger footprint with other people who wish to sell directly into customers. So where the relationships are there, where they have localized suppliers, then an affiliate program, I think, is going to be very successful for us. Plus, they don't have the inventory overhead that retail does. So we think it's, it's the right way to go. All right, Marco, you touched on this in your opening comments, but here it is because we want to honor the shareholders. My question is, do you have a plan to bring the share dump number down to something closer to $2 billion? The share what? Uh, the share number. So I guess the, your numbers of shares issued and outstanding closer to $2 billion. So um, that's a tricky question because um, authorized versus outstanding are two different numbers. We're authorized for six billion shares. We have outstanding about a little over three, maybe three and a half. We have warrants for some more. Um, if and when the board authorizes the reverse, it will also bring down the outstanding uh, dramatically. So if we do, let's say, a hundred to one reverse, we'll see at least a hundred to one reverse on the. Uh, outstanding. So um, that's, that's one way to, to skin that cat. I would rephrase that question as, is there, does the company have a way where it's looking at minimizing or re- reducing dilution? Once again, earlier when I said this is a um, high-growth, expanding market, it is not a mature market yet, um, it's a question of cost of capital. We looked at buyback programs. We thought that was a good thing to do, but the cost of capital is so high, and the question is, is it better to invest in ourselves and expand our business through acquisitions, or is it better to to do a buyback program? Right now, a buyback program does not make any sense. We're we're investing in the expansion of the company, and we're going to continue to do that. Well, here's another one on the capital structure of the company. And again, you touched on this, uh, and I'm just going to get it out here. Is there a planned reverse stock split? And if so, what is the date? There is no planned reverse stock split. What I'd like us to do is find a way to move to NASDAQ where we see a different composition and greater stability and support of of the stock in a different way um, so that our shareholders can appreciate having dollars instead of pennies, but we're not there. And until we're there, it doesn't make sense to do a reverse. There's too many ways to to mess up a reverse. So no, there is no plan to do a reverse in the near term. Let me add to that. The whole reason the reverse came on the table was because we were talking to Canada, and all the bankers in Canada insisted, and I, I tried to argue against them, and they insisted the only way they would bring equity financing to this company was through reverse. So at least we got the vote uh, off the table, but then we realized that the terms were not appealing and not in the, in, the, in the best interest of the company or the shareholders. So we refused them. We walked away from the table. We do have the reverse in our pocket, meaning 
the, the board has the right for it, but we're not giving it away. It is too, too essential and critical to the success of the company. We will not blow that. Next one. All right. It's obvious that cost containment to growers is critical. However, shareholders are not privy to the customer base and strategy to add to that base. Can you expand on this? You know, I've read this question three times. I still don't understand what the real question is. Could you maybe translate it for me? Well, I, I got the question and passed it along. I'll be honest with you. You know, what he's saying is that, you know, how are, how do you do your business basically with these, with these, with these growers? You know, how, how are the relationships cultivated? How are they, uh, you know, keep, how are you a benefit to the growers as well? Um, let me, can we just table this one? I'll get back to it. Let's go to the next one. Absolutely. Explain how the search was conducted for the position of national sales director and why this role was important. Was there any relationship to Marco or and others in management? Yeah, that one I remember. No, absolutely not. I, I, I never knew Brian. First of all, we, we, we secured a professional recruiter to find Joe's right-hand guy, national sales manager. We had we boiled it down to five highly qualified individuals, including Brian. Um, I didn't get involved. I did not get involved until Joe had his final two, Brian and another gentleman. That's when I talked to them, and it was very clear to me Brian was the right guy. Um, no prior knowledge of him. Joe did not have any prior experience with him. Um, most qualified guy out of five very qualified individuals. So very pleased with him. Um, good, solid performer knows how to manage very well. All right, very good. Let's move on then. Please let us know on the 11th, that's today, what the company is doing to bring the stock price to a higher level. Um, We try to be as transparent as possible, but at the same time, we don't like to give our competitors too much information. We see uh, many of the things that we discuss, that, that we talk about after we talk to our customers, used by our competitors. We find ourselves competing against our own strategy. Um, Joe's out there with his, the sales force, and we hear the same thing. Um, so uh, being transparent is probably the number one thing we try to do. Our filings, Mark, Scott, our CFO, works very hard to get our filings done in advance. Our, our 10K was not due till the end of March. He got it done at the very first part of March. Our cues are normally done. They're supposed to be done in six weeks. He usually gets them done about three weeks early. Um, I try to be as vocal as I can be. We try to do press releases and give out as much information as possible. For us, it's all about shareholder confidence. If you believe in what we're doing and why we're doing it, then stay with us, and you know the rest. If you don't, there are a lot of other places to put your money. But, you know, hang in there if you believe in us. And if you don't, you know how to get your message to me. I got my Twitter account open, and you guys know how to press my button, so try not to do that. Next question. Well, that's actually the last question that we've got here. I want to thank the shareholders for sending them in. Obviously, if your question was very similar to the reverse split question, but you worded it differently, we compiled these. We got rid of any of the redundant questions. You can continue, though, to send questions to my email address, which is in these press releases. If you have extending questions that maybe you got an answer, but you didn't understand it, keep it coming. I mean, this is what the company's trying to do here. Marco's trying to do is, as he pointed out, be transparent. Be transparent. 
and also open up this conduit of information from him and to the company, shareholders, yourselves, and back to him. Uh, Marco, any closing thoughts or comments before we wrap up this call? Um, yeah, just to uh, answer that question, um, we do try to be transparent. And, and the question now as I read it is the shareholders feel like they're not privy to a lot of information. Um, the one thing I write in every quarterly report is the management discussion right up front of every quarterly report. Read the last one, and I try to explain exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. And I, I, I suggest you go through that, and I think you'll have a much better idea of what we're doing. If you see me at a trade show, if I'm going to a conference or a panel, feel free to come up to me and talk to me, okay? Thank you so much for your time, and I appreciate everyone else's time. All right, that concludes our call for today. Thank you so much.